The following message was recorded at New Beginnings Church in Slidell, Louisiana. Please feel free to duplicate and share this message as you feel led. And you are invited to visit us at New Beginnings Church at 330 Robert Boulevard, Slidell, Louisiana, 70458. Our Sunday services start at 10 a.m., and if you have any questions, call us at 985-781-4663. And may God richly bless you as you listen to this message. You know, Paul, Paul the Apostle said that, uh, that what he said, the things that he spoke, uh, were not things that men taught him. He said he didn't even go to, to, the, to the Apostles to get what he had, but that he received it by revelation. I believe in the same way, knowing James, that, uh, and he would share that the message in his heart is one of revelation that God gave it to him. And he speaks, uh, and I promise you today, uh, as James speaks, uh, you will hear things, some of you maybe for the first time, but it'll, it'll sound a, a sweet chord within your spirit, and you'll say, that's of God. That's of God. Maybe you just hadn't thought about it that way before. And James has a message of uh, Christ, the grace, the finished work of the Lord, deep, deep within his, uh, his spiritual DNA. It's always a joy to have him come to Slidell. Uh, we don't get him very often. Uh, usually we get him when Alabama comes to Baton Rouge. And so uh, Alabama came to Baton Rouge, and James came to Slidell. And we're much happier about James coming to Slidell. So let's give him a big welcome. Come on up here, James. Yeah, awesome. <clears throat> <laughs> what? Oh, is that too loud? No. Hey, Rose. Doing good, Rose. You too, always. You too, thanks. So good to be here. It's always good to be here. Um, I'm ten times more encouraged by coming here, I'm sure, than I can encourage you. I just really enjoy being here. It's very special to me. Um, I had the great blessing this weekend to see the LSU game with my two sons, uh, Jake in the back. Um, <laughs> Jake goes to Clemson University. He's a sophomore at Clemson. He plays on the soccer team. He's a uh, 3.5 grade point average. I like to brag on my Jake. Uh, Political science, he may go to law school one day, who knows, but uh, just a great son that I'm so proud of. Uh, and Kobe was with me too, but he had to fly back early this morning to go to basketball tryouts. Kobe's awesome. Uh, I got two awesome sons. I, um, also 3.5, uh, great, uh, great academic, and as well as athlete. He's a, on the varsity basketball team. He's a junior in high school. So Kobe's doing awesome, and he wants to get into sports management maybe, and so we're looking at some schools for that. But anyway, it was just a great memories to have Jake and Kobe at the LSU game because I had to have that to counter what happened at that game. <laughs> Otherwise, I probably couldn't preach today. So if it wasn't for Jake and Kobe with me and having fun with my two sons, I'd be... Maybe a downer, but you know what? I wouldn't be because we don't live in this realm. You know, we really are in another place. So no matter what happens, we live 
and move and have our being in him. Yes. So no matter, even if the LSU doesn't even score, <laughs> life is still good. I also have some very good close friends of mine from Baton Rouge, Dan and Wilhelmina Palmer from Baton Rouge. I've known Dan and, Wil and Wilhelmina from LSU days, college days, and they've probably prayed me through more issues and problems and, and challenges, and I really appreciate Dan and Wilhelmina. And, and uh, they're just a real special couple, good, good friends of mine. Thanks for coming. Um, oh, and Cindy's, Cindy's not here. My wife Cindy's not here, but she's one of the boys to have our time at LSU, so she was, we were like sending her pictures and texting her, but she, she was like texting me during the game, like, I can't believe we can't run the ball. I know. <laughs> we don't have an offensive line, you know, we need, oh well, let's don't get on that. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, let's pray for a few seconds and then I just want to, I want to share some thoughts that could literally rock your world. I don't believe I've ever focused on this teaching here ever before. We've mentioned it, of course, over and over again many times, but I really want to focus on something that I think will really help us all and encourage us all and it just might bless your socks off. Lord, we just thank you that we cannot comprehend heavenly things without the Spirit. Who can know the things of God but only the Spirit of God? And the Spirit of God is given to us that we might freely know these things that are freely given to us. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for opening our eyes by your Spirit. We cannot know these things without your Spirit. I pray that the hearts of your people would hear these words. I pray that the light would shine in a new way, that they would comprehend things that they never comprehended before. Pull back the veil, Lord. Show us what is. Show us your mighty work. You are wonderful, Counselor. How can these things be? Because he is the Messiah who was destined to come in the fullness of time. Born of a woman under the law that he might redeem us from under that law. And join himself to us and raise from the dead a new creation by the power of God. Lord, help us see what you did, your mighty work. Who can see these things? Who can know these things? Only the Spirit can show us.
For eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has it even entered into the mind of man what God has done, but the Spirit is given that we might know these things, awesome things. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, help us to see. Help us to see. For in seeing, we will experience the everlasting love of God. For in seeing, we will know the height and the breadth and the depth, the width of the love of God. And we shall be filled with your fullness when your love fills us. Thank you, Lord. If any man or woman here needs to be touched in their body, Lord, to be healed of anything, I pray, Father, by the authority of Jesus, I pray as your servant and as your son, I speak your name in Jesus' name. And I release the power of your healing to touch anyone at the sound of this voice to heal, to encourage, to raise up. There is no authority above the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As you said, behold, I send you forth in my name. Go and tell them, tell them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Don, could you put up a couple of verses on the uh, screen in a few seconds here? Uh, one, 1 John 3, 9. And the other one is Romans 7. Verse 17 and 18. New American Standard, please. The reason why I asked for New American Standard is because, in my opinion, it's the closest translation to the original Greek and Hebrew. Um, there's a lot of good translations out there. I'm not one of these, you know, it's got to be King James only. But uh, it is one of the closest translations, the New American Standard. And I actually, I recommend you do not get the new international version, the NIV. I know everybody's got the NIV because they market that. They really market that, that translation, but I don't recommend that translation because of certain scriptures are not translated correctly. In fact, if you read those scriptures out of that translation, you would not see what I'm going to say today. You'd probably not see it because it, it is, there's a problem with the way they've translated the NIV. And I strongly recommend not using that scripture. 
But if you read the New American Standard or the King James or the New King James, you would see clearly what I'm going to say today, but not the NIV. So anyway, just take it for what it's worth. <laughs> um, I'm just going to cut to the chase and tell you what I've come to share that I believe is from the heart of God. And we'll back up and talk about it. First, let me say this. I think we all can say as believers, we can all say, as Paul said in Romans 7, that I sometimes do what I don't wish to do. Remember that, Romans 7? Yes. Do you ever do what you don't wish to do? Oh, yeah. Always. Always. We, we all, all of us, we all, some, we all sometimes do what we don't wish to do. We, as Paul said in Romans 7, the very thing I hate, I end up doing. The very thing I want to do, I don't do. You know, Romans 7, the big struggle that the Apostle Paul explained to us, to us, his own struggle with not doing what he would like to do. And the reason why he wanted to do good things is because he was a new creation. He was a believer. He was born of the Spirit, so he had new desires. And he wanted to do things differently now that he was a believer, but found himself not doing sometimes the things he wanted to do. Romans 7, it's awesome, awesome. Romans 7 and 8, awesome. Truth that's in there to help us and encourage us. So we all can see that that's a common situation. And, and that's important to see that it is common, that you're not alone, that you're not the only one that sometimes does things you don't want to do. So sometimes we think we're the only ones and everybody else has got their life together and they're always doing the right thing. And that's just not true. That's not true. We all struggle about different things and sometimes we find ourselves not being the people we really are by our thoughts, our words, our deeds. All right, so I want to share some thoughts that Jesus and the Spirit gave the apostles to explain to us in a deeper way the mystery of the new creation so that we can understand what it really means to be a new creation so that we can, with this understanding, actually live out who we are. As Paul says, put off the deeds of the old man and put on the deeds of the new man and actually be who we are. You know that word transformation? We hear the word transformation. The scripture says, you know, um, be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think about this, saints. The transformation, I think we don't really understand what that word is really saying there by the apostle, as the apostle writes it. Transformation is the outward, the gradual outward manifestation of what already is inwardly. See, transformation has to do with the outward, how it appears to men or the world. Transformation is, has, that word refers to what is seen by men. Jesus said it this way, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Yes. Now, did, they, did that person become a son of the Father because they finally did some good works? Or is Jesus saying, 
let your light so shine that men may see what already is. That men may see who you are. See? Let your light so shine, transformation, outward transformation, that men may see who you are, who your Father is, and that you are Son of the Father. The Scripture says we are now light in the Lord. So you don't become light by doing good deeds. You let your light shine because you are already light in the Lord. The Apostle Paul says we were, once, we were once in darkness. We were once darkness in our flesh, in our sins. But now you are light in the Lord. So let that light so shine, Jesus said. So, so transformation, get that in your mind. I want, to, I want to go kind of slow this morning. I want to really get this down because when you, th think, when you hear the word transformation, some believers think God's transforming me on the inside so I can become more holy or more righteous or more like God on the inside. If that's true, if transformation means God is working on the inside of me to make me more righteous or more holy, then at what point are you holy enough for heaven? At what point are you going to be righteous enough for Christ to dwell within you? Christ in me, the hope of glory. You see, if you think the word transformation refers to the inward change, that God is transforming my inward man and I'm becoming more and more like Jesus, then you are thinking wrong about the word transformation. Listen, God is not working on you. God raised you from the dead. He called into being that which did not exist before, a new creation. And He didn't do it halfway. It was so perfect that you, as a new creation, have no past. You're not just fixed up by God and repaired. God raised, the Apostle Paul got the revelation of a new species, a new creation was raised. God raised us from the dead and joined Himself to us. God cannot join Himself to anything that is lacking, anything that is has a hint of weakness or sin or even a past of sin. I mean, you can't even start doing good perfectly from this point forward and God have anything to do with you and me because we have the past. He's holy, blameless, uncreated light. He's, he's the creator of the universe. He is, he is unreachable, un untouchable. You know, it's, it's like... so. The only way God could join Himself to us is to create a whole new person and join Himself to that new person. And that's what He did. That's what He did. A new creation. Now, transformation, it happens, but it happens in the right way of thinking. It's as you and I, as our mind is being renewed to what God did in Christ, our deeds change. We begin to put on the deeds of the new man. We put off the deeds of the old man. Notice he didn't say put off the old man. The old man's dead. We're going to talk a little bit about that. You don't put off the old man. You don't crucify the old man. You don't do any of that. 
it's the deeds of the old man that are being put off because the new man is being manifested putting the put on the deeds of the new man so when that happens yes there's a transformation that happens out here and there's fruit that is born fruit and lives are touched and people see the glory of God as as you go from faith to faith and from glory to glory but but the inward reality has always been has always been from the moment you were born of him now before you were born of him we were in darkness as we said and we, our heart was deceitfully evil and wicked and before we were born of him we were in our sins and in the flesh alienated from the life of God Paul says darkened in our understanding of the the things of God but the moment you are born of him when you believe that Jesus took away your sin removed your sin when you believe that his death was your judgment on the cross when your hope is in him and not in your own righteousness not in your own good deeds God considers that faith righteousness because by you putting your faith in the Son in Jesus in a great mystery God links you to him so that his death becomes your death for I was crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives through me and the life I now live in this body I live through him who loved me and gave himself for me a great mystery of death and resurrection takes place when you put your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins and saints let me tell you something that is the word that is the point of power we hear preaching sometimes that says make Jesus the Lord of your life we hear preaching that says ask Jesus to come into your heart and that's you know God sees the heart and you don't have to have the words perfect I'm not saying that but I'm telling you saints that is not what brings the power of the Holy Spirit is to tell someone to make Jesus the Lord of their life he can't make Jesus the Lord of his life that's the problem you've put someone an unbeliever on a track of trying to make Jesus the Lord of their life you just gave them a super law I mean you didn't give them just the Ten, Ten Commandments or the law you gave them Jesus make Jesus the Lord of your life obey him and follow him well good luck with that that's the problem we can't keep the law we can't be righteous we can't do it you don't ever hear an apostle proclaiming make Jesus the Lord of your life and the spirit fell never not once but what you do hear is the apostle saying and all who believe on this Jesus shall receive the forgiveness of all their sins Amen. and the next verse when Peter said those words the next verse says when the when those words were spoken the Holy Spirit fell on that house in Cornelius because they believed that he had truly taken away their sins that's what brings the power of God when you recognize I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness and I believe that he took away the sins of the world behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that's what brings the power of God into a, a person's life because they in that moment God counts them righteous because of their faith in Christ and the Spirit of God fills them and raises them from the dead 
That's the power of God. That's the simple word that brings the very presence of God. And we've got it so muddled sometimes out there. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Come down the aisle. You know, commit yourself to Christ. Whatever those things are. All good words. But it's not the power of the gospel. The certain sound, the clear word needs to go forth that He has taken away all your sins. We're afraid to preach that. It's too much grace. It's too easy believism. It's too sloppy agape. No, we got to put a little hook in it. Make Him the Lord of your life. Commit yourself to Him. No! No, no, no. Jesus sends us forth to proclaim boldly His grace and to proclaim boldly that you tell anybody that their sins are forgiven completely if they believe on this Jesus. That is the Word. That is the Word that brings the presence of God. And makes a man righteous before God. And joins himself to God. After that, the Spirit works in that person. And he makes the Lord the Lord of his life. And he commits himself to God. He does all those things. But those are the fruits of the Spirit. That is not how you enter. You enter by simple, the humility of saying, I need forgiveness. And I believe that his death forgives me of all my sins. Isn't it awesome? Yes, awesome. A certain sound, a clear word must be proclaimed so that we can clearly see with no mixture what God has done. I said I was going to say what I was going to talk. I hadn't got there yet. <laughs> These, this is the rabbit trail sometimes the spirit takes me on, but I know it's important. All right, what I want to share this morning, as a believer, kind of alluded to it a minute ago, as a believer, we must see what the apostles taught, what Jesus revealed to the apostles. What I'm about to say is almost never taught and certainly not understood like it should be understood. Yet it is in the writings of all the apostles. And it may be the very reason why you feel like I can't stop doing what I don't want to do. Okay, hear this, saints. The apostles taught that if you are a believer, if you're in Christ, and Christ is in you, the power of sin does not emanate or come from your heart. It does not. Now hear that, saints. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, no apostle taught, not a single one, taught that evil comes from your heart as a believer. Not a single one. Not a single apostle taught that you are to examine your heart for sin so you can repent of that sin and stop sinning. Not a single apostle. Not a single apostle taught that. If you are a Christian, 
If you are born of the Spirit, you have a new heart. God has performed a miracle. Ezekiel prophesied that it was coming. Behold, the days come when I will pour water upon them and wash them, and I will give them a new heart and a new spirit. Ezekiel saw Christ. He saw the coming of Christ. And just so you know, for all those Reformed theologians out there that may be listening to this tape, no person before Christ was born of the Spirit. Not a single one. No person was born of the Spirit or had a new heart before Christ. It was impossible. For the Spirit, John says, could not be given in a redemptive way, in a regenerative way, until Christ was glorified. That's why every saint, every believer before Christ descended and did not ascend. They descended. They did not ascend. In fact, Jesus told Nicodemus, No man has ever ascended into the heavens except the Son of Man who has descended from the heavens. Blew Nicodemus' mind. Now think about that, saints. Think about this. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, No man has ever entered heaven except the Son of Man who has come from heaven. Why? Because He must have the preeminence in all things. And the work had not yet been done on earth. The blood had to be shed. His blood on earth. Every believer before Christ descended to Sheol. Every single one. Even Elijah, who was taken from the Lord, was not taken to heaven. He was taken to Abraham's bosom. Even Enoch, who was not because he walked with God, was taken to Abraham's bosom into a place called paradise. An enclosed area in the realm of Sheol called Hades in the Greek. Every departed spirit, even those in the days of the flood, Peter said, descended to Sheol. They all were there. And there was a great gulf, Jesus said, that separated those who descended who had faith and those who descended had no faith. And God, who knows the heart of man, dis dis divided the group. Those who had faith, those who had no faith. Those who would have believed had they heard. Those who would not have believed had they heard. God knows all things. He descended, the scripture says. Jesus descended. He told the thief, this day you shall be with me in paradise. I'm going down. For he must fill all things. First he descended and then ascended that he might fill all things. He went down, took captivity captive, and released them from Sheol. And that beautiful island that God had prepared in Sheol to protect his saints, his believers, during this time of waiting for his coming was swallowed up as he arose with that beautiful multitude above as he took them out and the place closed in behind them and nothing was left in Sheol but a vast wasteland of those groping looking for water to touch their tongue because they left their body with no life in them and they sensed it for the first time as they ascended up and left Sheol with his own and they were wailing and gnashing. They remain in Sheol this day until the final judgment, the revelation says, when Sheol shall give, her, give up her dead and they shall be judged by the books of works and not a single one enters heaven. 
You see it? In fact, when Christ brought them up from Sheol, some of them came out of the tombs. The book of Luke says they came out of the tombs. The grandfather, the Jewish grandfather, the prophets came out of the tombs and went to their families and said, He is the one. He is the one we've been waiting for. He is the one Daniel spoke about. He is Mashiach. He is the one. And they would disappear in front of their sight. This is freaky. I mean, think about it. Not really. You're right. But isn't that awesome? I mean, they would come up. They actually appeared to their family and said, He's the one. He's released us. Shalom. Disappeared into the heavens. The son came first. And then his family came after. Many sons. Can you imagine the father's joy? The family. Come, sons and daughters, come. For I have done all things well. And now when you die, as a believer, nobody descends. We ascend. We actually don't even ascend. You know what? If you can receive this, you've already ascended. You have already ascended in Him and sit with Him in heavenly places. You actually don't ascend as a believer when you die. What you do is you step over through the door. The door that's already in you. The door is already in you. And when you die, when the body dies, you don't die. He who believes on me shall never die, Jesus said. When you die, when your body dies, you step over. It's not, in a, it's not a vertical movement. It's horizontal. Because guess what? You're in heaven now. You're already up there, seated with Him now. Heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. It shall not come like men think. It shall be within you, Jesus said. It does not come like men think. It shall be within you. The heavens are within you by the gift of the Spirit. Why? Because you are in Him and you are now where He is. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also he did that in three days that's not waiting for the second coming saints in three days and three nights he prepared a place for us in himself by his death and resurrection now we are the many members of his body we are the living stones of a new temple raised in three days not two thousand years later in three days he raised a new temple we are now the habitation of God by the Spirit, the living stones. We have already passed over. We have passed from this kingdom of darkness being translated into the kingdom of the beloved Son the moment His Spirit touched you. It's awesome! Only the Spirit can reveal these things to us. This is not religion. This is not psychological manipulation. This is nothing but the truth. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. You're about to get even more free in a minute. Let me finish what I was about to say. Evil does not come from your heart as a new Christian, as a new creation, as a Christian, as a believer. It's impossible. It's impossible. 
And nowhere do the apostles say, examine your heart for sin. Nowhere. Not a single place. The apostle Paul mentions examining yourself twice in his letters. But you know what he said? He said, examine yourself to see if Christ is in you. Are you a believer? That's a good examination. Examine yourself to see if you are in Christ and Christ is in you. Otherwise, you are a reprobate or unregenerated, Paul said. It's not about examining for sin. It's about examining for your identity. Who are you? Are you a son? Are you his? Examine yourself. Is Christ in you? Are you sure? Have you put your trust in Him? Have you believed that He has forgiven you of all your sins? It's that simple. That simple. It's not about making Him Lord of your life and all those things. That's just the fruit of the Spirit later. But the simple thing is, have you believed that He has forgiven me? Have you received the love that comes from this truth? You see, the Scripture says that the world shall receive strong delusion because they have not received the love that comes with this truth. What truth? The truth that He has forgiven you of all your sins. See, the Scripture does not say that strong delusion shall come on the people because they don't believe the truth. The way the Apostle worded that, he said, strong delusion shall come upon the world because they do not receive the love that comes from the truth. The revelation of God's love. They harden their heart against His love. Refuse to receive the gift of righteousness through their own pride for whatever reason. Wanting to earn their righteousness as the Pharisees did. Or for whatever reason. Maybe because they just hate God. Because they had a rough life. And they blame God for everything. Forgetting there is a devil. Maybe they had this idea that ah, I can never believe in a God who's going to let... Millions of people in Africa die and go to hell because they haven't heard the gospel. Well, guess what? Where did you get that sense of justice? Where did that come from? This sense of fairness you're articulating right now. Where you say, I can't believe in a God who's going to let thousands of people die and go to hell who haven't heard the gospel. Where did you get that? Where did you get that sense of fairness and justice that I hear coming from your voice? It came from God. Made in His image though marred and distorted by sin, that's where it came from. And you think you're wiser than God? You think you're more merciful than God? You think that you can judge God about how He's going to handle that? You see? See the arrogance in someone who says, I'm not going to believe in a God who doesn't give me the answer of how He's going to handle this problem over here in Africa. You know what Jesus said to Peter? Who asked him that same question? Peter said, Lord, what about this man? What about this man here? And Jesus said, and this is the word to you and I. Jesus said this. He said, what is that to you? You follow me. What is that to you? Are you God? Am I looking to you to solve this? You think I'm less merciful than you are? You think I care less about fairness and justice than you? What is that to you? You, Peter. Just follow me. And what's going to happen, saints, is that those who have rejected him and have received a strong delusion because they have refused to receive the love that comes from the truth, one day they will stand before him 
and they will see how he did work it all out. They will see how he reached them. Some were in comas and he spoke to them. Some in dreams. Every single one he reached for. And that person who rejected God because he couldn't figure out how God was going to do it in his arrogance will miss out. And he will see the millions of, from Africa come into the kingdom. That he in his arrogance said, I'll never believe in a God who's going to let them go to hell. Very sad. What is that to you? Follow me. That sense of fairness you have in you, will not the God of all righteousness do right? And I have the power to do it, God says. I have the power to do right. Will I not do right? Trust me. Trust me with that, you, that which you do not understand. I love Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, for the things that are revealed to us, the things that are revealed to us belong to us and to our children. But the things that are not revealed to us belong to the Lord. That's called honoring him and not thinking that we're smarter than he is. Whatever is revealed to us by him belongs to us and to our children. But what is not revealed to us belongs to the Lord. What is that to you? Follow him. You never lose by following him. And one day when you see the whole thing, you'll say, My God, the half was not told. My God, God is good. I never would have dreamed that he would have done this. He would have done this. You see, the goodness of God. All right, I still haven't got to where I was going to say. All right. The first thing I wanted to say, that is for somebody, by the way, either by videotape or here today, somebody is not believing because they, in their own mind, feel like they're smarter than God, and they've judged God. God's still reaching for them, but they're going to miss out. If they don't humble themselves and see that it's not up to me to figure all this out. It's, it's up to me to follow him. Okay, so the other thing I was going to say is, first thing is to understand that the new believer, the Christian, has no evil in the heart. No, zero, zilch. It's impossible. God is in you. God will not inhabit any sin or evil whatsoever. He's joined. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit, the scripture says. One spirit. We are bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, the scripture says. We are as the husband and wife. The two have become one, Paul says. This is a great mystery, he says, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. The two have become one. So where does, where does the evil come from? Where does the tendency come from when I don't do what I want to do when I do what I hate this is what the apostles taught that is not taught almost anywhere and yet it's in all their writings the power of sin is actually in your physical body what Paul refers to as flesh think about this saints if you grasp this, 
Why is this important? Why is it important to know that you have no evil in your heart if you're in Christ? Why is it important to know that you are righteous as God is righteous, as a gift from God? Why is it important to know that when I sin and I, I'm tempted to sin, that it is the power of sin that is still in my members of my physical body that's warring against the soul, James says. Even James taught this. James talked about how it wars against the soul. Because your soul is clean and new. Your soul is not being worked on either. Bad teaching. Your soul is not being worked on. We sing it all the time. He saved my soul. Well, did he? He did. He saved your soul. Soul and spirit are distinguishable, but they are inseparable. Soul and spirit are distinguishable, but they are inseparable. Paul and the apostles always refer to the inner man and the outer man. Inner man, outer man. Invisible man, visible man. The inner man is soul and spirit. It's the, it's the actual person within the body. And when God raised you from the dead, He raised soul and spirit. He actually, Colossians says, He actually cut away the body of the flesh. Colossians 2.11. My favorite verse, because my, my address is 2.11. My house is 2.11. I think God gave me 2.11. You know, I live on Newgate Loop. And my message is Newgate. And loop. You loop in and out of the new gate. And the address is 211, new gate loop. It's my home. Colossians 211. He cut away. I mean, it's awesome. He is awesome. God. New gate. I live on new gate loop. And that's my message. We have a new door. The door. The gate. And we can loop in and out because we live in two realms at the same time. It's amazing. So God actually cut away the body of the flesh. The scripture says, now notice this. Where did God cut? If you believe God's still working on your soul, and your soul is not perfect yet, then he's got to cut at a place where he can join himself to you and not be touched by your sin. So if it's true that he's working on your soul... But he saved your spirit as commonly taught in the church. That the spirit is saved, the soul is being worked on, and the body one day will be made glorified. And that last part's true. First part's true, last part's true, but not the middle part, but the soul. So think about that. If God wanted to join himself to you in your spirit, but he had to cut away something that would keep any imperfection from that union... It would have to be between the soul and the spirit if you believed that God was working on your soul. But what if you got that wrong? What if the teachings of Watchman Nee from the Far East are not quite right? That's infected so many teachings here. Not that he's all bad. Watchman Nee had a lot of good stuff. But what if the teachings of Watchman Nee that God has saved the spirit, but he's working on the soul, is wrong. All you have to do is go back to the apostles. If you did a, a word study of the word soul, do, do a word study of the word soul, every single place it appears in the New Testament. And I say New Testament saints because the Old Testament, remember the Old Testament, the new creation had not yet come. 
the work of Christ had not yet come. I could tell you, I could, I could tell you so many messages that are out there where they're quoting Old Testament stuff and putting people pre-Christ by quoting those verses instead of reinterpreting those verses in light of Christ. You see what I'm saying? Old Testament verses are awesome, but you've got to reinterpret them in light of the finished work of Christ. Paul did it. Read Romans 10. Romans 10 is a perfect example of this where, Rome, where Paul is quoting Moses. Here's Romans 9 and 10. Paul is quoting Moses and he says, Moses said to the Israelis, Do not say, Who shall ascend to the heavens to get the law? For you have it. And who shall descend to the depths of the earth to get the commandments that we might keep? For you have it, Moses said. It has been brought to you by God. This law, this commandment, that you might do it. It is even in your mouth, Moses said, because they would, they would read it and speak it to each other according to the law. They spoke it back and forth to each other and Moses said, it is in your mouth to do it. Paul takes the words of Moses, Moses, and changes the words of Moses. Do you have the boldness in the gospel to change the words of Moses from the scripture? If you know the truth, you do. If you know Christ, you do. Paul took the words of Moses and said, but the righteousness which is by faith does not speak like that. For the righteousness which is by faith speaks like this, Paul said. Do not say, who shall ascend into the heavens? That is, to bring Christ down, not commandments. Who shall say, who shall de descend to the depths to bring up, that is, Paul says, Christ. For Christ has been brought up from the depths, raised from the dead. Yes. What is the word, Paul says? It is the word, not like Moses said, do it. Not like Moses instructed them to obey commandments. What is the word, Paul says? It is the word of faith in Christ. For He has brought us the righteousness which the law could never give. It is even in your heart and in your mouth, Paul says. For the heart believes unto righteousness and the mouth speaketh unto salvation. That is apostolic authority changing the words of Moses. And you hardly ever hear that taught. Because there's such a mixture in the church today because we don't see the revelation of Christ that's hidden in the scriptures. Jesus said, you think that in this book you have life. He was talking to the Pharisees. There was no New Testament at that time. He was talking about the, the law, the prophets. He said, you think in this book you have life. In the scriptures you have life. But they speak of me. Jesus said to the Pharisees. And he says it to theologians who don't, who don't see this. They speak of me. And you won't come to me that you might have life. Scriptures have no life in themselves. They only have life in themselves as they reveal Him. Who is life. They speak of me, Jesus said. Come to me. I am the life.
not the letter. The letter kills. The Spirit gives life. James. The revelation of Jesus gives life. Romans 6, 14. For sin no longer has dominion over you. Yes. But because of the law, you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Yes. And that's through Christ. Yes. And that's exactly what you Yes. Saying. And I, that's how I got Yes. That's how I got set free. That's it, Rose. That's because it. Because I found there was no dominion over me. That's exactly right. So this is what that I'm trying to explain is that he cut away the body of the flesh. He didn't cut between soul and spirit. He cut between the spirit and soul of the inner man and the body of flesh, the outer man, the visible. That's important, saints. Listen, listen. Circumcision is important with God. It was important with God, with Abraham. Why? Because it was a picture of something that was coming. Now physical circumcision means nothing. Circumcision, uncircumcision, Paul, means nothing. Only a new creation, the reality has come. Galatians 6. But circumcision was very important to God. Why was it important? I'll tell you how important it was. He told Abraham and all the Jewish people that followed Abraham, I make my covenant with you, Abraham, because you have believed on me. Abraham believed that he was able to give him a, the seed like the stars in the sky, though his his wife could not bear children. He believed. And God says, I count that as righteousness. It was hidden in there. Paul found it by the Spirit. Look at this, Paul. A righteousness which is by faith. So why was circumcision so important to God? How was it important? It was important because God said this. He said, every man who is circumcised is in my covenant. And every man who is not circumcised is not in my covenant. The women are in the covenant through union with the men. A picture of Christ in the church. So the women are in the covenant through circumcision by the circumcision of the husband. So God says, now think about this. To get in the covenant of Abraham, the condition was not morality. It was nothing about right and wrong. It was nothing about good or evil. It was the cutting off of the foreskin of the body. It was the cutting off of the flesh that God made the foreskin because He knew He would have a covenant that would be a picture of the real deal that would come with Christ. Circumcision was very important to God. If they were not circumcised, they were not in His covenant. If they were circumcised, they were in His covenant. And you can read that in Genesis. It had no reference to morality or doing good or evil or anything. It was all this act of the cutting off of the flesh. Now what is God saying? He's saying that the new covenant, the Abrahamic covenant fulfilled, is exactly that. If you have not been circumcised by the hand of God because you have believed, Abraham the believer, and been raised from the dead, a new creation, that you're not in His covenant. And the condition has nothing to do with morality, good or evil, because all the good you could do is but filthy rags to God. You could never be good enough. You see what God is saying? It's awesome. 
You are in the covenant because God, by His own hand, Colossians 2.11, God, by His own hand, cut away the body of your flesh. Your inner man was raised from the dead. Now, if you can picture it this way, this is how the Spirit showed me. It's like a blue flame surrounds your inner man from your body. Your inner man literally has been joined to the Spirit of God. That's what the apostles taught. He was joined to the Lord as one spirit. That's why on Pentecost they saw the flames above their head and then it went inside them. It was a visible picture to them in the beginning to see the Shekinah glory that was only behind the veil now on every single head and coming down within them. This is the work of God. This is not religion. God has literally encircled your inner being. If you could see me as I am in the Spirit, you would see a blue flame maybe. That's how the Spirit showed me. A blue flame surrounding the real person within this body. And you would see a strong warrior, son, who I've been made to be by God, though I live in this weak earthen vessel. But the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of me. He cut between the flesh, the body, and the invisible man. Because it's the invisible man that is completely new. How do I know that? Besides the apostles teaching us that? Because when your body dies as a believer, you leave your body. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jude says you shall be in His presence when you leave your body with exceeding joy. Blameless. Jude. Exceeding joy. Blameless. Thank you. You know why you're going to be exceedingly full of joy and blameless? Because of what He has done. He did it all. You're not, God is not working on you so you'll be fit for heaven one day. You're in heaven. You've already been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son. Great is the mystery of God. Great is the mystery of your godliness, Paul said. For God was manifested in the flesh. God became a man. Next time you think of Christmas, you know what Christmas is all about? The celebration of Christmas is God became a man. How many people actually think those thoughts when they hear the word Christmas? The glory of Christmas is God became a man. Emmanuel, God with us. They worshipped him. The stable. The son of the most high. One with the Father. The Word made flesh. To see Him is to see the Father. I love that little drummer boy song. Too poor to give Him a gift. I'll play for Him. That's all, that's all He had. God became a man. Why? To die for me and for you. 
He had to take on flesh and blood and live the perfect life under the law that he might offer himself up for me and for you. Amen. He who believes on him receives the forgiveness of all their sins. And the miracle happens. The hand of God performs the true spiritual circumcision, cutting away the body of the flesh from the inward man, raising from the dead a new creation, that which never existed before, joining himself, bringing that one through the door to where he is at rest. He has done it. The power of sin is in the body. It's not in your heart. The power of sin is in the body, not in your heart. Can we have those two scriptures now? Um, if you don't mind, 1 John 3, 9 first. Thanks, brother. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. The Word of God. Does that mean we don't sin? No, we still sin. That's the whole struggle, flesh and spirit. But that's not who you are. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And sometimes we still sin as believers, obviously. We still do what we hate. Obviously, that's what this is all about. But this truth must be in your heart. You are a son of God, born of the seed of God. You cannot sin. The new you cannot sin. I want us to read that together. Let's go. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's the real you. That's the real you. That's the Apostle John. The new creation when you leave your body, you'll have no temptation whatsoever. Why, do you, why are you tempted now? Because the power of sin is in your members, warring against who you really are. The Scripture says that we now see through a glass darkly because we have to work through these brains of the physical realm. But when we leave these bodies, the Scripture says, we shall know all things even as we are known instantly because you will have put off the body of flesh you will know all things instantly as you were known by God because you will have no more interference from a sin-infected organ called the brain. When you leave your body, there will be no resistance or hindrance or static from seeing and knowing God even as He knows you, for you will not be hindered by the sin-infected organ called the brain. That's why we see through a glass darkly. We prophesy in part. We get glimpses from the spirit, but the brain, the infirmity of our flesh distorts sometimes. And we're not able to see 
God gave Paul an experience so he could preach this with confidence and boldness and authority. Paul said, I had an experience where I couldn't tell if I was in the body or out of the body. Remember that? Why did God do that? To show Paul. Paul said, what I saw out of the body when there was no hindrance from the brain, he goes, I can't even describe. describe. It's unbelievable. It's believable. It's just, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. But you see why he had that experience? Out of the body, in the body? Because in the body, we have these, this hindrance, this, the infirmity of the flesh. That's why it's a walk of faith, why you're in the body. It's a walk of faith every day to believe it, it, it already is. And what happens is the mind is renewed. What, what is this renewal of the mind? The renewal of the mind is the spirit... Being, the Spirit revealing to our human spirit, our new human spirit, what already is, what God has done. And so that's why it's a gradual transformation, a gradual manifestation of what already is within. But the moment you leave your body, it's like, boom. Why boom? Did He have to hurry up and finish you to go to heaven? No, no you're finished now. Amen. You leave the body, boom, in the presence of the Lord, with joy. Yes. Boom. Because... You're boom right now. That's why you can walk with confidence as a son of God and daughter of God, even with all our weaknesses. See, God told, God showed Moses, I mean, God told Paul, don't worry about your weaknesses, Paul. And don't worry about the struggles you have in this life. Because all these weaknesses and all these struggles just make you depend more on me. For my power is made perfect through your weakness. <clears throat> he left this glorious new creation in a weak earthen vessel on purpose. Even as he brought Israel into the promised land, a picture of Christ, a land filled with milk and honey, a picture of Christ. Even as God brought Israel into the promised land and left some of the enemies in the land on purpose. Remember that? He said, I'll leave some of the enemies in the land, just a few of them, so you won't forget that it was me who brought you here. So you'll, defend, so you'll depend on me. Well, He has left some junk in our bodies. So we will depend on Him and experience walking on water. And when we walk on water, we realize this is God. This is not me. We will experience in our weakness the power of Christ resting upon us as we depend on Him. In fact, that's how you're wired. I'll tell you this. You're wired after the image of the Son of God. The Son of God said, apart from the Father, I can do nothing. Jesus' Jesus' whole being lived completely dependent on the Father. He goes, as I live by my Father, so shall you live by me. His whole divine DNA was a life of dependence on the Father. And you're wired the same way. You, you already have it. You are already wired dependent on God. The only, time, the only times when you're not depending on Him, it's just the flesh. It's the power of sin trying to creep in and get you to do your own deal. To think your own thoughts and go your own way. But it's not the real you. It's not the real you. Let's look at that other verse, if you would. 
Romans 17, 18, please. Romans 17, 18. This is the Apostle Paul saying, So now, no longer am I the one doing it. He's talking about doing the bad thing he doesn't want to do. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin, which dwells in me. Now watch how he corrects himself in the next verse to make it clear. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. You see what he said there? He's not talking about the me, new me. In fact, he corrects himself. He said, no, no, I'm not talking about the new me. I'm talking about the, the flesh. In the flesh. Now look at this. Let's read this together. So now, no longer am I the one doing it. So stop right there. Hear the apostle. Hear the apostle. No longer am I, that's the new I, I, the one doing it, doing the sin. But sin is doing it, which dwells in me. Let's finish reading. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, the new me. I will to do good. The new me wants to do good. But the doing of the good is not... But the doing of the good is not. Why? Because of this war between flesh and spirit. See? Now notice he said, there's no good thing dwells in my flesh. This gets, this gets better. He gives us the answer in this chapter. But the first thing, first thing, let that sink in. Saints, let that sink in. Number one, that there's no evil in your heart. That if you're born of him, you cannot sin. The new creation cannot sin. If the new creation could sin, we'd have to have another Savior. We'd have to have another redemption. He did not just put you back in the Adam's state. He did not just put you back in the state of innocence that Adam had because of the next sin that Adam made or you made would need another redemption. No, God did something far better than putting you back in the garden with Adam in purity. He actually raised you up and joined Himself to you. He created you new as a son, a daughter of His. He made you, Peter said, a partaker of the divine nature. Adam did not have that. He never ate of the tree of life. He was not a partaker of the divine nature. He never got that far. You have. Because of Christ. Adam never got that far. The tree of life was barred to Adam. He could not be joined to God in his state of sin. But now the tree of life opens wide. The barriers are removed. Yes. Yes. Christ is the tree of life Amen. that we eat of now. Amen. And that divine nature has been given to us. Now, do you feel your spirit smiling? Yeah. I see it on your body. You know why? Because it's good news. Because it's the truth. The scripture says you need no man teach you. If I can convince you of something, the next guy can talk you out of it. You don't want that. The scripture says you need no man teach you, but the anointing that abides within you shall lead you into all truth. And you shall abide in him. Search these scriptures like the faithful Bereans and see if these things are not so. Let the Spirit reveal these things to you personally 
So you're not relying on some teacher or some man. But it's the Lord himself that has opened his wonderful counseling to you. His counsel is wonderful because it's full of wonder. Because it is not of this earth. Not of this world. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it ever entered in the mind of man what God would do. God spoke to the prophets and said, Consider not the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. He's talking about Christ and the work of Jesus and what he did in terminating the human race on the cross in judgment. Jesus said when he went to the cross, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the, now the prince of this world is cast out. Cast out of where? Out of heaven. He had access to accuse you, like in the book of Job. He had access to accuse you because the sacrifice had not yet been offered on earth. But God doesn't save angels. He saves the sons of Abraham. And so when the sacrifice was given, the angel was barred from heaven. And you were raised into heaven. That's why he hates you so much. The enemy hates you because you have what he wanted. You sit with him. He does not. You have authority over him. He rages against the sons and daughters of God to no avail. God shall laugh from the heavens because he has done it for his children. The half has not been told. Oh, man. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. What is he saying there? He's saying that, see, there's so much, I hear so much on radio and TV where uh, people are trying to fix people and messages and sermons, you know, trying to work on people. And there's a complete blindness about the truth that they're not in the flesh anymore. The flesh can't fix the flesh. And if you had the revelation that the new creation is and you feed the saints this reality from the Spirit, they would eat and drink of Him and there would be a new understanding and power released within that they might be who they are. Instead of wood and hay and stubble, from good works trying to fix themselves, which will come to, no, come to nothing, they will produce fruits that are gold and silver and precious jewels that are spiritual, eternal, invisible. Fruit that remains through the centuries. And not stuff that has to be worked up by the manipulation of man and financed by man's money. This is awesome. It is. It's powerful. It's God. Powerful. And it's powerful. It's powerful. The Jesus said to those who don't understand this and don't preach the truth of his finished work, Jesus said they, they do greatly err, for they know not the scriptures nor the power of God. Amen. See? They know not the scriptures nor the power of God. God is able to raise the dead and create a new creation. He's able to separate us in our inner man from the outer man. He's able to translate us into a different kingdom. He's able to walk in us and we walk in Him. He's able to teach us how to walk in the Spirit that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Where do we get that term anyway? Where did Paul get the term flesh? We just 
throw it out there. We don't even think where he got it. He got it because he's referring to the physical body. When he says don't walk in the flesh, he's talking about the physical body. That's the power of sin that works in our members. The physical body. God quarantined the power of sin in our body and moved you and I to a different dimension, which is why your sin is separated from you as far as the east is from the west, because the real you is in a, in a different dimension. You are in the spirit. Romans 7 and 8 says that if you're in Christ, you are no longer in the flesh, but now in the spirit. We have bad teaching out there now that says when you do something bad, you're in the flesh. When you do something good, you're in the spirit. No, no, no. You are in the flesh if you're not a believer. You are in the Spirit 24-7 if you are a believer, regardless if you're sinning or not. That's the whole purpose of the covenant. That our sins are not being counted against us anymore. He remembers our sins no more. But guess what? The new creation doesn't want to keep sinning, obviously. There's a new nature. There's a new desire. There's a new identity. There's a new destiny. There's a new life. All of those things that the religious don't see manifest in the new creation. And the old man puts off, the, old, the deeds of the old man are being put off and more and more the deeds of the new man are being put on. Isn't that awesome? It's powerful. And tell you what, we need teachers teaching this. Every single one of you should be teaching this. Because the body of Christ is starving. They're getting a lot of wood, hay, stubble, a lot of law, grace, mixture. God hates mixture. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, Paul says. You want to put a little bit of law in that, it'll ruin everything. It'll leaven the whole lump. There needs to be clarity. There needs to be simplicity. The simplicity of Christ. I'm afraid of you Corinthians having been beguiled, like Eve was beguiled to, by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you're being led to that tree of right and wrong, forgetting the simplicity of Christ. Paul wrote those words. Christ. Christ. You talk about change a nation? Release the gospel. Teach. The gospel. Not religion. Not a mixture. With all boldness proclaim the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus and leave the results to God. And don't put a hook in your message because you think you need to police somebody and keep them on the straight and narrow. That's, that's another wrong teaching right there, the straight and narrow. Do you realize that the scriptures do not teach that a believer is supposed to walk the straight and narrow? That's not what it teaches. The scripture teaches, Jesus taught, that to enter into life, there's a straight and narrow gate. Not a way, not a walkway. A way in, the terms, in terms of a gate. Yes, read the translation. It's a gate. Why is it straight and narrow gate? Because... Only you can receive Christ. Your grandmother can't receive Christ for you. You can't walk through the door with your grandmother holding your hand. It's got to be you choosing Jesus. Straight gate. Walk in as you believe. Now what, what's on the other side of the gate? David said, 
You have brought me into a large place. Freedom. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The prophet said when Jesus would come and when the Messiah would come and accomplish His work, that there would be a highway called the highway of holiness. And though He is... Oh, What's the word? The, the wayfarer, the prophet said, though he stray, though he stray in his ways, he will not fall off this highway. The prophet said, a highway of holiness is coming that will be so wide that you can't find the edge of it. Why? Why? Because of Christ. Because of the value that Jesus, the value the Father places on the blood of Jesus. No straight and narrow. A wide open place in Christ. But, but, a narrow gate. It's only one way. No man comes to the Father but by Jesus. Straight and narrow. There's no other way. That's the straight and narrow part. It's only through Christ. No man can come to the Father except through Jesus. No other religion, no other good works. Straight and narrow gates. But once you step in, wow. You can eat of any tree. He told Adam. A highway of holiness so wide you can't fall off. Why? Because it's not your holiness. It's his. Prophets were like freaking out. They were saying things, Peter said they were saying things that they didn't really understand what they, were, what they were saying. It was so incredible. I tell you what, I could go on like for three more hours. I hadn't even got, I hadn't even got. Well, you just got to come back. That's it, that's it. <laughs> Finally then. You can have these notes, but you probably can't read them. They're like these little blurbs where the Spirit says, say this, say this, say this, boom, boom, boom. There's a reason why, what's that? Yeah, I, I, I'd love coming here. Every time I come here, I get blessed. And I, and I know it's blessing you, I know, because the Spirit of God, I, I bear witness. And I know the people that hear by video and by tape, you know, I know there's like, we have several people from Joseph Prince's church that listen to the, these teachings. And they email me and they say they're just, they're, they love it, you know. So you never know where the message is going and changing the world, you know, and different people, but it's just the truth. I wanted to go through Romans 7 verse by verse and show you how the power of sin is in your body. I'll just say this real quick. Paul said when he became a believer he tried to follow Christ in his own way of thinking as a Jew. And he said that in his mind he was he tried to serve the law of God with his mind, like he did as a good Jew. That phrase, to serve the law of God, it's not a good thing. Sounds good. That's not what you want. You don't want to serve the law of God with your mind. 
See, a lot of people read that Romans 7, like Paul is saying, that's a good thing. Wait, I serve the law of God with my mind. Nope. You know why? Because the, the very next verse he says, but I learned something God revealed to me. There was another law, another power in my members, in my physical body, bringing my mind captive to the law of sin and death when I tried to serve the law of God with my mind. You see? As a Jew, now as a believer, he tried to continue the same way at first, thinking, okay, I just got to keep the commandments or whatever. Because he had a mixture, like we all sometimes have a mixture until we understand the grace of God in fullness. And every time as he had his mind with the knowledge of right and wrong, he found himself doing the very thing he hated. He found another power working in his members of his body, bringing him to captivity every time. Even though he hated it. He had everything working, you know, working right. He had the mind, he had the knowledge of the law, he had the knowledge of what was right. He had his emotions in, in the right place. He hated what he was doing. That's emotional. He willed to do right. He had his will. As a new creation, he hated the sin. He willed to do good. He had the knowledge of what he should do from the law. So what's the problem? Why do I end up doing the thing I hate? See? That's what Romans 7 is all about. So what was the answer? The answer is in Romans 8. When he says, number one, I learned that there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So he first saw the revelation that he's righteous because of what Jesus did and not because of what he can do. And in the rest of Romans 8, he explains a new reality that was revealed to him. He called it the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Has set me free from the law of sin and death that worked in this body. For the sinful passions which are aroused by the law, Paul said, in our flesh kept taking him captive. Until he let go of that kind of thinking and rested in a reality where he saw, I'm a new creation. I have no evil in my heart. I'm not trying to get somewhere. I'm there. I've entered into the rest of God. Hebrews 4 says, he who has ceased from his own works of righteousness, trying to be good enough, has entered into the rest of God, even as God did cease from his own works and called it the Sabbath. We believe and enter into his rest because he has done it all. Christ is the true Sabbath. Just like circumcision in the flesh means nothing, it's, it's a picture of the real. In the same way, the Sabbath day means nothing, it's a picture of the real. Let no man judge you, Paul says, of Sabbath days and holy days and feast days, for the substance is Christ. It's all Christ. He's done it all. Those are all pictures of the reality. Why do you continue to live your life around the copies of the heavenly things and not the heavenly things themselves? Why do you continue to live your life around the copies of the heavenly things and not the heavenly things themselves? That's Hebrews. It's the book of Hebrews. Why is this important? 
It's important for a lot of reasons, but one reason it's important is because once you really allow the Spirit to open your eyes to see that the power of sin is in your body and it's not coming from you, the new heart, who you really are, the revelation of the new creation will blow up in you. Because you'll no longer be confusing yourself as one who is in the flesh. In other words, you will begin to identify yourself as you really are. You know, people talk about identity, identity. The church needs to know their identity. Well, how can the church know their identity when they're teaching the church to, to examine their heart for sin? It's impossible. This is the kind of confusion. Rose prophesied at the beginning of this meeting about confusion. Don't be confused. God is the creator. God has done it all. That was a prophecy from the Lord. Preparing for this message. How can you say you're a son of God if you're being told to examine your heart for sin? We read the scriptures. You see? So seeing this truth that is the apostolic teaching allows you to say, wow, that's really not who I really am. So you might say, well, what, what, where's my responsibility? Let us just so, let's go sin, the grace may abound. They said that to Paul. If they're not saying that to you, you're not preaching what Paul preached. Think about that. They said to Paul, well, let's just go sin, the grace may abound, Paul. If, they're not, if people are not saying that to you, then you're not preaching what Paul preached because that can be misunderstood. The true gospel can be misunderstood that way, that we should just go sin, that grace may abound. Of course, Paul answered that quickly and said, still don't get it. How can you continue in that which is not you anymore? How can you continue to be what you're not? Once you see who you are, the new desires kick in. You can't help but love God and love people. You fulfill the law. By loving God and loving people, that what the law was after, you end up doing by the Spirit. Something you can never do. Because the Spirit of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And Paul says, if there be any commandment, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, whatever. If there be any commandment, love fulfills them all. So God puts His nature in us so we might walk in love and fulfill what the law was trying to get us to do. The law, the law is very inferior. I mean, I, I, I get frustrated with these Christians who think the law is all that. The law is not all that. It's, it's worse than not all that. It's, it's the power of sin. It's the strength of sin. The scripture says the law is the strength of sin. You, you never hear that preached. The law is the strength of sin. It stirs up the power of sin in the flesh. Because it's not of faith. It, whatever is not of faith stirs up the power of sin in the flesh. But people think the law is all that. They, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. You know, big deal. I mean, the love of God in the, in the new creation just doesn't kill anybody. It loves its enemies. The law says just don't kill anybody. The love of God in you loves your enemies. The law never said that. The law says just don't steal anything. The love of God in you says I'm going to get a job and take care of my family and I'm going to give to the person who doesn't have anything. The love of God. The law never said that. The law just said don't steal anything. Why do we put the law up like it's some big deal? Paul says it's the letters of death engraved on stones. So he wouldn't mistake that he was talking about the Ten Commandments. Yes, the Big Ten. Letters of death engraved on stones. For the glory that 
came when God gave that covenant to Moses, Paul says, the glory of this new covenant in Christ cannot be compared with the glory that you have now in Christ. I'm on retainer by the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. as His attorney to explain this gospel. You know, that's what, you know, that's what, that's what Paul was all about. Jesus commissioned Paul to go forth and explain my gospel. Explain how the finished work of Christ works. How we could die and be raised again in Christ. How God could cut away the body of the flesh and join himself to our inner man. All those things Paul explained. And now we can read it, understand it. Thank God he wrote it down. Because you'd be thinking I was crazy right now. But I can point to scripture. I can point to the apostles. That's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to point back to what the apostle said, the spirit bearing witness yes. That's right. that this is the truth. Amen. So cool. Well, let me just wrap it up. Try to wrap it up. <laughs> Scripture says the body is dead because of sin. It's dying. It's decaying. But the spirit's alive because of righteousness, the new creation. Yes. Scripture says the outer man is decaying day by day. That's the body. The, the inward man is being renewed day by day. You see it? Yes. You see the dichotomy? Yes. This is the apostolic truth that rocked the world. They got it. They really got it. They saw they were new creations. They saw they were righteous with the gift of righteousness. Oh, and by the way, the saints before Christ, when they believed, God imputed righteousness to them. He counted it as righteousness, right? Yes. You have something far better. Hebrews says it, chapter 11, you have something far better. Because you have believed, because the work is actually, has been accomplished through the death and resurrection of the Son, now when you believe... Righteousness is not just imputed to you. It is imputed because it's not your righteousness. But beyond an imputation, you have imparted righteousness. In other words, you really, really are righteous. A new creation. Otherwise, you could not be joined to God. Otherwise, you could not enter heaven. I mean... A create, an act of creation has taken place. It's not just imputed. This is the work of Christ is far superior than what they had under the Old Covenant. The, even the, the Abrahamic righteousness by faith that was, in, that was imputed. You have imparted righteousness. It's, a very, it's, not, it's not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. Amen. Imparted. For he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So it's important to see these truths, to know your identity, to really let it grow, and to know you are a son and daughter of God. And it's also important, and I'll close here, it's also important because Jesus came to give you life, to give me life.
and life more abundantly. That means now. That's not talking about the here and after. That's like a life on earth that is full and abundant. Full of the goodness of God. Full of peace. We have peace with God. No matter what is happening around us. In this world, you shall have trouble, Jesus said. In this world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. For I have overcome this world. I have brought you to where I am. You are with me now. Always. And I am with you. Always. Even until the end of the world. I have done it. You are bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. I call you my beloved. I call you my beloved. Come away, my beloved. Run with me. Let me show you. Let me show you what I have done just for you. Just for you. I know my sheep by name. I call them. And they follow me. And they will not listen to the voice of a stranger. Come to me, all you are heavy laden and burdened. And I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So what is our responsibility? Walk in the Spirit that you not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can know what the works of the flesh are without having to examine yourself for the flesh the works of the flesh because no good thing dwells in your flesh you can know what the works of the flesh are Paul says these are the works of the flesh in Galatians we can know but that does not equate an examination of your heart for those things you see it we can know what the flesh looks like but to know you have a new heart and walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh that the fruit of the Spirit might be manifested. That's it. You see it? That's it. Yes. It's simple. We know what looks like God and what doesn't look like God. It's not about the knowledge of good and evil. It's about the knowledge of Him. Do you know Him? Do you know what He's like? Do you know what He's like? You begin to manifest what He's like because you're joined to Him. And as you behold Him, as in a mirror, you're, you're actually being renewed to the same image from glory to glory. And the transformation outwardly begins to take place as you simply behold him whom you have been created in his image. A new dynamic. We're not focused on flesh, focused on sin, but focused on him. We set our minds on things above. We set our minds on him. We look at him and we experience the real us getting out effortlessly. 
as effortlessly as an orange tree makes oranges because mm -hmm. that's what it is. Amen. Orange trees don't grunt to make oranges. They just make oranges. They don't make apples. You're like your father. Mm -hmm. Like the song says, you have your father's eyes. As we rest in him, you will do who we made you to be. What a rest. Lord, we just ask that these words are sealed in our heart. Help us to see these things in the scriptures, Lord. I pray the Holy Spirit will reveal these things to us so it's not something we're convinced of by a man, but something that is revealed to us by the Spirit. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here, Lord. I thank you for their, their love for you, their faith, their kindness, Christ. Lord, you live big in them. Thank you for this church. Bless Morris and Pat. Bless them beyond their wildest dreams. Let them know how much you love them. How much you love this gathering of believers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the sky, the blue sky, the open heaven. So awesome, so majestic. Thank you for the open door. Thank you for your healing power. You are with us, Lord. And I pray your healing touch has already gone out and touched all those who need healing. Thank you, Lord. You love to confirm the word of your grace with signs and wonders. You love to heal your people. You love to encourage us no matter what we go through. For in this world, we certainly shall have trouble but you have told us to be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world for you. And I am with you always. Even until the end of your own life. Until the end of this world. Fear not, little flock. For it is my Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. 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 Let's all say it. Thank you. Thank you, James. Jake, for coming today. Uh, you are a blessing beyond measure. Uh, we need to get you back more often. Yeah. 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 yeah, more and more often. Uh, just a, a word of uh, encouragement to uh, the regular folks here. And if you're irregular folks, you can jump in on this if you want. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, last week we spoke about why the law was added and why it ended. Uh, and we talked about it in great depth about why we're not under the law. And at the end, we read Romans chapter 8. Uh, those of you here would remember that. 
kind of spontaneously did that. Uh, as James was wrapping up, I read Romans 8 again. Read Romans 8 again in light of this message. But what the law could not do, because it was weak in the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. I, I won't quote the whole thing. Just, get, just do yourself a favor this afternoon. Read Romans chapter 8, and it'll really excite you. Those of you who are visitors, thank you for coming. Wilhelmina, thank you and Dan for coming all the way from Baton Rouge. And uh, those GPS systems don't know the difference between a street and a boulevard. So you and James ended up in the same place. I know. Did you? Robert did? Yeah. <laughs> I did too. So, uh, Instead of boulevard. Uh, again, uh, be blessed. Have a wonderful day. Uh, and, no, actually, we're saving that. We're, we're having birthday Sunday next week. So all the people who are having a birthday in November need to wait until next week to get their birthday Sunday. All right, so we're going to save it for that. Uh, God bless you. Uh, watch over you. Enjoy the beautiful day the Lord has made. Go in peace. Amen.